When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, and I am one of your hosts this evening as we get ready for a Pittsburgh Steelers 2022 adventure. I cannot wait. And the guy who's going to be flying with me this entire time, it's KT Smith. It's the coach. What is going on, my man? Almost, Brian. We are we are about ready to roll, aren't we? Uh, nothing gets stinks as we got to wait eleven days, but the preliminaries are done and the, uh, the roster is set. And it's time to it's time to roll. So uh, I think this is probably the time of year where you know Steelers fans kind of kind of knuckle under, and uh, you know you get this like anticipation for the season going, and September hits, and so it's all about to happen. And who knows what's in store for the next three four months? But it's going to be exciting. Well, the great thing about it is we're going to be watching football six days from now. So I am really jazzed for that to see the Los Angeles Rams defending champions. That's really weird for me to say. That's something that's never been said before. You've said about the St. Louis Rams, but not the L.A. Rams. So they are playing next week. And who are they taking on again? Is it the Denver Broncos? Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah, the Russell Wilsons, right? uh, (laughs) They've got it. They've got a. Uh, they've really been pushing him as the face of the franchise uh, pretty quickly. So that's an interesting acquisition. Acquisition uh, uh, Wilson to the Broncos because uh, they've always been a team, you know, with a strong run game and 
and they and they play good defense and they put him in the mix so the AFC's for real this year there's just a lot of teams that I think that really improve themselves in the offseason and I think the question that Steelers fans obviously have is well how much did the Steelers improve and that's what we're going to talk about and if we're talking about the Denver Broncos on defense they are minus five sacks from last year and a very good player for them actually a guy who was second on that team in sacks last year. He is now a Pittsburgh Steeler, and we're going to talk about him as well. I'm really excited about that acquisition. Two acquisitions yesterday and a practice squad that came on on Wednesday as well. So there's things going on here in Pittsburgh for the Steelers. And you know what, Kevin? If you're not checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you're just not putting yourself in line to hear stuff first, to see stuff first. Yes, on the editorial side, on the podcast side. On Wednesday, actually, excuse me, on Tuesday, there was three breaking news podcasts and a fourth on Wednesday to announce the practice squad. So lots of breaking news. I was involved in that as well. And... Behind the Steel Curtain is going to be not just your one-stop shop, but your non-stop shop. If you didn't get a chance to check out this morning's version of Let's Ride, really good stuff. The preview was yesterday with Jeff Hartman, myself, Dave Schofield. Also, another episode of What Ian's Talking About was yesterday. Coming up today, there's some more great stuff. And even if you just want to check out old episodes of this show you're listening to, you can. So make sure that you... Select as one of your favorites, BTSC, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. But let's talk about downloading our favorite football team, and that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to discuss the 53-man roster, but we're going to do it mostly on offense, and we're going to talk about what the Pittsburgh Steelers did to make themselves better and where they fit in and basically where they are going into September 11th. So, Kevin, here we go. It's the pregame show. You ready? I'm ready. Let's dive in. All right. So, so yes, sir, go. I'll let you take off. You tell me what you need to tell me. Well, I, I, was, I was about to say, uh, what's your take on, on, on where the Steelers are offensively? If you, we've had a preseason now, three games. And, you know, a lot of the roster moves, obviously, leading up to that preseason, some coaching changes, et cetera. So, so here we are, uh, September 1st, September 2nd, if you're listening to this, what's, uh, what's, what's your take on, on where the Steelers are as an offense? All right, I will do that in 60 seconds. When I okay. go ahead and say I am perfectly comfortable right now with whoever is at quarterback, if it is Kenny Pickett or if it's Mitch Trubisky, I would be shocked right now if it is Kenny Pickett. I believe that they are going to give Mitch Trubisky the first chance, and I'm fine with that. I'm also fine with knowing that Kenny is there just in case, and I'm fine with the fact that Mason Rudolph is there just in case. We've seen this happen before where you've got to go to the third or the fourth stringer, and that's happened just three years ago. We know all about the duck days of 2019. Let's talk about the wide receivers. My gosh, they kept seven. I still think Calvin Austin III might end up on the IR. I'm just interested to see what they do there. Some of those positions, well, some of those those guys that were kept in that stable, Kevin, to me, there's 
there because of the special teams designation as well. Tight ends, Steelers are in great shape there. Nothing to really talk about. As long as they're healthy, they are going to be good one through three. And the running back situation, well, it got a little bit stronger. And this is the question I'm going to ask you before we get to the offensive line. Is Najee Harris and that horrible woman, Liz Frank, going to ruin this season? I'll tell you what. I, I was at a Steelers training camp practice. We've talked about that. And um, the thing that impressed me the most about Jalen Warren is how hard he ran at practice. Uh, you know, I, all, the, all the running backs finish their runs. But he seemed to finish his uh, – something that you hear coaches say sometimes. He runs angry. You know, he, see, he seemed to be an angry runner. He was a downhill runner who uh, – who, who, you know, would really have run with good leverage. His pads were always leaning forward. And every run at training camp, he was running through tackles when they weren't, you know, taking guys to the ground and then finishing those runs in the end zone, uh, which, which occasionally annoys the defense. But it just, it just goes to show that the guy had, had a, a work habit, you know, and it was instilled in him that everything ends, ends up in the end zone. And, and when you see him run uh, in preseason – the, the that style is very very evident and uh he's just a he's just a, a tackle breaker i mean i don't know if i saw him get brought down cleanly one-on-one all preseason the Steelers may have to slow him down a little bit because he's a little faster the whole at times and, and there may be some times where uh, kind of like james connor used to do where he sort of runs up the the backs of the blockers but uh as mike tomlin says he you know he'd rather have to pull a guy back than have to wind him up so yeah i think that the Steelers have definitely upgraded their number to running back position with Warren. And as a lot of people know, one of the uh, the big cuts, and a lot of people were surprised. Were you surprised about Anthony McFarland Jr. being an initial cut before he was brought back to the practice squad? I was. We, we made him the dude of the week that, that week I'd been at. Uh, That's right. At German camp. He, he was the most impressive stealer on the field that day. And... And it was surprising, and, and I guess it comes down to the special teams value that Benny Snell offers. People talk about that a lot, about how he's he's an accomplished special teams player and that McFarland is not. Stylistically, I would have preferred to see McFarland because he does have that that thing, that ability to sort of play on the perimeter and, and get to the edge um, that, that the other Steeler backs don't. I mean, Warren's a hard runner. Najee Harris is a 240-pound kind of do-everything guy. Uh, and McFarland was, is sort of, you know, I don't want to call him a scat back, but he's got that that uh, that quick burst to the edge, and the Steelers don't have a guy just like him. So it'll be interesting to see what they do to sort of compensate for that. Now they did they did sign him to the practice squad, uh, which means that he still still be uh, in the organization. So it'd be interesting to see if he wound, winds up being elevated at some point to the fifty three man, and 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 how they use him because I think he's a, a talented guy who, who showed seem to show growth uh, this preseason. So let me take your uh, headphones off. I'm talking about your BTSC podcast headphones and put on your coaching headphones for a second. And let's talk about this. What is happening here with the Pittsburgh Steelers as far as at running back? Are they in a situation right now where if Najee Harris does go down, that Jalen Warren could keep it going for him? That's the interesting question, right? Because Snell has shown that when he is the feature back and you give him a good number of carries, that he's pretty good. And so 
are they going to use Snell in that role and and uh, keep Warren as uh, the change of pace guy? Would they would they split carries between the two? Would Warren really be the number two? Because if Warren is the true number two, what then what's Snell? Is he purely a special teams guy? Because he he would seem to have very little value. In what role are you going to use Benny Snell if he's not Najee Harris insurance? He's not going to be a third down back. He's not going to be, you're not going to bring him in just for pass protection. Uh, he's, he's certainly not a perimeter guy. So if he's not number two, then what is he? That's, that's really the thing that I'm kind of baffled about in, in regard to their decision to keep him over McFarlane, which leads you to believe, of course, that it is the special teams value that, uh, that they see. Um, and that, you know, they, that they really don't intend to use him that much as a running back. Well, you are a coach. And this is a question that I want to ask you. So keep those coaching headphones on. And let's talk about this. Every guy, I could name about five or six guys on the Steelers team that you talk about being good special teamers. How many do you need? Because Miles Boykin and Gunnar Olszewski, they're special teamers. You have guys on the defense that are special teamers. One of the things that worried a lot of people last year about James Pierre, he might not be a special teamer. So you throw in the special teamer, you know, equation and is too much worried about there because for me, having a running back that doesn't do much when he's called upon to be a running back in relief, my gosh, Najee Harris had to come in with, with a bum shoulder last year. He was hurt to come in to save that game against the Ravens to go to the playoffs. You know, so why are you keeping all of these special teamers when my question to you is, can't special teamers be made? Well, that's a great question. Can special teamers be made? Special teams is about desire as much as anything else. Special teams is really about the want to put your body into uh, these, these sort of violent, reckless situations, because that's really one of the, the, the things about special teams that separates it from uh, playing offense and defense is the, is the space in which you're operating, the speed at which you're moving, and, and the force of the collisions. Uh, I, in college, I was on the, the kickoff team and the, and the punt team, and I can just tell you that when you're running down on kickoff as fast as you absolutely can, and you know when I was playing football back – that was uh, that was when you were still allowed to set the old the old wedge, <laughs> and you had the craziest person on your team would be the wedge breaker. It would inevitably be some linebacker who would definitely take too many shots to the head, and and he was, he was positioned. Yeah, he was positioned right next to the to the kicker, and his job was going to be to bust up the wedge, which basically meant hurling himself at full speed after a thirty five yard sprint into a large moving wall of human beings. Um, and that takes a different sort of mentality. Now they've, they've outlawed that type of wedge because of the danger of it, but there's, there's still a lot of violent hits on special teams. And so guys have to be willing to, I don't want to say sacrifice their bodies, but they certainly have to be willing to, to put themselves into that environment. Um, and yes, and a lot of times you don't see guys who play offense or defense primarily, uh, really embrace that role. So the guys who do embrace it had value. Now, you brought up a good point. How many guys do you need with that particular value? Specifically, it's 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 guys who can uh, block and tackle in space. And that's why I think the Steelers like linebackers, receivers, and running backs in those roles because they're more athletic and they can do those things. So 
So the Boykin, the Boykin um, keeping him on the roster was was a little bit surprising because he's coming with a with a larger salary. I think he's around three million a year, and and in keeping seven receivers, you thought, okay, is is, is Austin going to injured reserve, and then maybe keeping Boykin makes sense. But if not, then that sure seems like a luxury, and and you kind of feel the same way a little bit about Snell. Well, you know what? I want to jump in on the Boykin thing there because. I think he could catch the football. The what he was doing against Detroit, against I know it was Detroit, but it was against a number one defense. He was out there, and he was running good routes. He was catching balls in traffic. He was doing sideline stuff. I thought he looked big, and he looked able, and he reminded me of a Darius Hayward Bay that was much more of a patch a pass catcher. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought he looked good too. My issue with Boykin is wh- where do you put him, uh, or I should I shouldn't say where, but in what situations do you use him? So, because there's only so many snaps, and the Steelers already have uh, a a lot of options on on offense. I mean, we know that they base out of eleven personnel, which is one back, one tight end, and three wide receivers, and that those three wide receivers to start the season are going to be Claypool, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and George Pickens. So then, if you want to play a slot guy. Um, that's not going to be Boykin. The Steelers have several slot candidates. They kept a couple of them. You have you have Gunner, you have Steven Sims. You can play Calvin Austin in there. They talked about playing George Pickens in there. Talked about playing Claypool in there. A lot of slot options. So that means Boykin either has to take outside reps from either Johnson or Claypool. Well, he's not a Z receiver, uh, or I should say, really like a traditional uh, X receiver. I meant an, an on the ball guy because Johnson's that guy. So so are you taking Johnson off the field to put Boykin there. Um, and then if you do that, or if you want to go the opposite direction, then you, you got to make him the Z and, and take Claypool off the field or Pickens off the field. And, and so I guess, I guess my question is on, in what package does you do, do you say, Hey, I'm putting more, if we put our best personnel on the field, we got to get Boykin in there. And that's what, that's what I'm, what I'm, I'm not sure about just yet. Now, if there's an injury, then it makes perfect sense. So maybe there's that. Maybe there's, you know, he's going to play special teams and be insurance for an injury to Claypool or Johnson or Pickens. We've talked a lot about, excuse me, we talked a lot already about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the offense, and getting down to that 53-man roster. We have so much more to talk about, especially when we get tangled in that crazy web that is called the offensive line, we're going to do that next. There's a new member of the offensive line. There's new guys on the practice squad. One guy took a huge hit. He lost his number and he lost a lot of salary, but he's still in black and gold. We're going to tackle all of that. When we come back on, here we go. The Steelers pregame show from behind the steel curtain.com. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Brian Davis here with Kevin Smith. So glad to be here. We're coming up on it just not too far away from the start of the season. If we look at the calendar, well, it's September 2nd, and that means that we're just nine days away from the Steelers and the Bengals. The Bengals got stronger at tight end with bringing in O.J. Howard. 
the Steelers brought in two players via trade that basically they're with not a lot of compensation. They brought in a linebacker. His name is Malik Reed, and he had five sacks with the Denver Broncos last year. Edge depth. That's good. Then they also brought in Jesse Davis, no relation, which we lost some Davises. They got cut, so at least I've got a jersey chance. He's wearing number 77, which means that John LeGlue, who was initially released and brought back on the practice squad, lost his number 77. And now instead of an NFL salary, he's getting a practice squad salary. A rough day for John LeGlue, but he still stays in the Steel City. All right, so Jesse Davis. Um, Mike Tomlin's quote was, he's a capable guy. And I don't, I don't know how to read that. Uh, is, that a, is that a compliment? Uh, is it a, is it a uh, he can do a lot of things. Maybe he's not great at any of them, but he can handle a lot of roles. Uh, I, I mean, that's how I took it, but sometimes – when you make a trade for a person, you usually find a more exciting adjective than capable. So, but it does describe him. He's, he's a guy who started some games in, in Miami and um, he has played center guard and tackle. So he's got versatility. We know the Steelers love versatility on the line. The glue and Joe Haig both sort of filled that swing lineman role last year. And, um, and neither was particularly good. And they're hoping, obviously, that Jesse Davis is a, a little bit of an upgrade. But when we talk about the offensive line in general, right? So if we're asking ourselves, what did we learn from the preseason? Did they, how much better have the Steelers have, uh, gotten? They're better on the offensive line. I, don't, I, I think it would be disingenuous to say they're not, even though a lot of people are down on the line. I, I did a, a, film, a film breakdown for the website this week on the offensive line's performance in that third preseason game against Detroit. And uh, there were some issues, no doubt about that, as particularly in the run game. I mean, the Steelers really struggled to run the ball, particularly in the tailback game the last two weeks. Uh, in the last two weeks of the preseason, they had, they had uh, 28 tailback runs for 54 yards, which isn't even two yards a carry. That's, so that's somewhat discouraging. But the pass protection was pretty good. I mean, the Steelers are still largely a quick game team, um, and, and they did struggle at times in pass pro when they wanted to push the ball down the field. But um, they were able to, to give uh, Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, both of them, pretty good pockets in which to operate. And when they did that, those guys were really good. One thing we learned about the Steelers quarterbacks is if you give them time, they're pretty good. Trubisky was more accurate than I think people thought he'd be. And Pickett's decision-making was excellent. One of the big criticisms of him coming out of college, other than the, uh, you know, the horrendous small hands, was that like he he held the ball too long, and um, he didn't he showed that to not be the case at all in the preseason. So so I was encouraged by the quarterback play, but I was also encouraged by the ability of the line within the framework of that quick game to to provide good protection. You know, the small hands thing. I had one of my scouts come up to me. He was making fun of me for uh, Kenny small hands, and I'm like you know what. You watched the Super Bowl last year? He's like, yeah. I said, who was the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals? And he said, Joe Burrow. They said the same thing about Joe Burrow two years ago. Nobody is saying a word about his hands now. Yeah, I mean, that stuff kills me. So one of the, one of the kids on our team is, is, is Duke Gunther, whose father, Paul Gunther, 
was the uh, defense coordinator for the Bengals and the Raiders. Very and, uh, good defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he had some good Cincinnati defenses uh, around 2015, 2016. And um, so he, he comes to most of our practices and he's, a, he's a, an interesting guy to talk to. And uh, one day we got into a conversation about me being a Steelers fan. We were joking around about that or whatever. And, and I just kind of said, said jokingly to him, you know, can you pick it, man? Small hands. And he laughed. And his comment was, if a dude can sling it, he can sling it. And that's really, that's the, that's what we're finding out about picking. I mean, you can sling it, you know, like that's, that's a thing that we really are, are learning that, that, and I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, make a bold proclamation here after Kenny Pickett looked good in a couple of preseason games, but, but Kenny Pickett's good. Kenny Pickett knows what he's doing. That's the thing that really excited me when I watched him play. I said, man, he, he knows where he wants to go with the ball. And in the NFL, I think that that's one of the biggest things. Can you diagnose coverage and know pre-snap or or immediately after the snap what you want to do with a football uh that's the thing i think that has separated tom brady from people you ever see any of those of those clips where brady is like actually taking the snap and he's running back a fake to his to his tailback and he's telling the tailback the coverage as he runs it back i've seen a couple of them where he takes the snap and he'll he's running literally running the ball back to fake the ball to the tailback and as he's running the ball back he's saying cover tip cover tip and that's telling the tailback like exactly what his check down should be i mean brady is so ahead of everybody else in terms of his ability to diagnose and see the coverage and know exactly what he's getting and where he wants to go. And I'm clearly not trying to like put Kenny Pickett in that category, but what, what, one thing we saw from Kenny Pickett in the preseason was he gets that stuff and he's getting it early, right? Like right out of training camp. And so, so that is really encouraging. So small hands, large hands, whatever. I'm sure Ryan Leaf had gigantic hands. Uh, but he didn't know what the hell he was looking at in terms of the defense. And so, he, you know, that, that ruined his career. So uh, I think the, uh, the, the preseason for Kenny Pickett was really exciting. I really thought it was, but a lot of fans are upset that he's right now, not the odds on favorite to be starting. Are you cool with Mitch Trubisky starting? It really looks like he is Kevin. Oh, hundred percent. I thought Trubisky played well too. You'd have to be, you'd have to be looking for a reason not to to want to make Trubisky the starter to say that he that he doesn't deserve to be the starter. You, you'd, you'd have to be like you'd have to be operating from sort of a preconceived notion that Pickett should be the starter or, or even Rudolph and, or that or that you just didn't like Trubisky for whatever reason, because he played well in the preseason. He, I mean, his numbers were really good. Uh, he showed that he had you know, an awareness of the offense. He was running a limited package. There wasn't a whole lot of pocket movement. They, I think purposefully the Steelers kept him in the pocket to let him practice it. Uh, I expect to see them to see them move him out of the pocket more once the regular season starts where, where he's a little bit more comfortable. So, and then the, and then the two minute drive to end uh, his preseason uh, against Detroit was just excellent. He really was in control uh, and, and, and operated that very, very well. I think the Steelers have seen what they wanted to see out of him and, Ideally, starting on the road at Cincinnati and then coming home to play New England, where Bill Belichick's got a career record of something like, I don't know, 24 and four or something like that against rookie quarterbacks. I think that they want the veteran to, to handle those two challenges out of the gate and, and really to sort of give Pickett a little bit more time to, to digest things, be in the film room, watch from the sideline a little bit. That's all great. There's no need to rush Kenny Pickett into the lineup right now. 
There really isn't, and I'm fine with Mitch. So that really handles the quarterback situation. I know you're good with the tight ends and receivers. So as far as pass catchers, you're pretty good. Should we be scared about this Liz Frank situation with Najee Harris? I don't know. I mean, I would I would like to think that they're going to manage his workload a little bit better this year. Foot injuries are always scary because, uh, it, yeah, for the obvious reasons on, on a running back. And, um, uh, you know, it, who, who knows, right? I mean, Tomlin says foot got stepped on and then Harris comes out later on and says it's a little bit more severe than that. So I don't think we really know what the truth is. But whether he's 100% healthy or, or banged up a little bit, either way, there's got to be better load management. He can't have 381 touches again. And, and maybe that's why you see both Warren and Snell on the roster because they're going to do things that Najee Harris does, and maybe we're going to see Harris subbed out a little bit more this year. Very interesting stuff. So let me ask you this question now. We talked about every unit on this offense except for the offensive line. We talked a little bit. But let's break it down. Yeah. There was a concern the first two weeks about James Daniels. James Daniels says he's, you know, he knows what he needs to do to get it together. And it seemed like on Sunday against the Detroit Lions that he was the best version of himself that we've seen so far. Does that make you feel so much better about big number 78? Yeah, I thought he had his best preseason game uh, against Detroit. He had he had one bad rep where he got he got himself into bad position uh, on a, a pass rush from Aiden Hutchinson, and Hutchinson beat him across his face for a sack. And a lot of that had to do with just this new technique that Pat Meyer, the offensive line coach, is trying to get the guys up front to master, which involves them striking first rather than kick stepping or or setting their base right away. Um, and they're they're you know, definitely struggling with that in certain situations. And Daniels has struggled with it as well. I mean. He, he kind of lunged out at Hutchinson a little bit and he got his weight too far forward and Hutchinson made him pay for that. So they're going to have to continue to work at that. But Daniels has been good uh, the last two weeks uh, and, and, and definitely was this past week in run blocking. He was probably the best stealer offensive lineman as a run blocker. So my concerns aren't really with him, but I do have other concerns. Um, Mason Cole, I thought was bad against Detroit. I just didn't think that he um, played with much power at all, whether it was in pass protection or in the run game. Uh, and Dan Moore Jr. was bad. Um, he had a couple bad holding calls. He got he got beat on a couple uh, speed rushes, and he just he he's the one thing that I noticed with him is he's just not staying square. He's really turning himself into the pass rushers, and when you do that, you really give them lanes to take. You want to try and stay square to uh, and parallel to the line of scrimmage as long as you can before you turn. And he's getting turned early, so there may be some issues with his kick step. And, and who knows, maybe that's in relation to some of the things that Meyer's trying to get them to do that they haven't done before. So, so those are my two biggest concerns, the center and the, and the, uh, the left tackle and the Steelers are going to need those guys to come along better in the regular season. If they want to be, you know, able to do some of the things up front that we hope they can. This is why I ask you these questions because I have had no problem with Mason Cole, but I have not been watching it with a coach's eye like you do. So thanks for bringing that up. Can he be the center though, this season? I mean, this is what oh, I, you got. Yeah, I think he can. I mean, I didn't see any – I didn't really put the put the O-line under the microscope so much the first two preseason games as I did the third. But the little bit that I really watched of him in the first two, uh, I didn't really see any deficiencies. I was just a, a little concerned in uh, that third game with 
you know, just the lack of power with which he was playing. And, and again, maybe it's, maybe it's the technique issue. Maybe these guys, as they work through their technique, uh, you know, it's hindering their ability to sort of play with a wider base or to, or to play with the power that they normally have. Uh, you know, when, when you try to rework a guy's technique, uh, it, it is, it, it's not something that, that, that clicks overnight. I mean, these are, you have to think about this. You, you've gotten to be an NFL lineman or an NFL anything. You've gotten there by literally taking thousands, if not tens of thousands of reps at your position and doing it a certain way. And, and there's always tweaks to it, but there's some basics that you learn from the time that you first start playing the game that stay with you. And it seems like what Meyer's doing right now is, is he's asking these guys uh, to, to do something that I don't want to say flies in the face of everything that they've, they, that they've been taught, but it's, but it's a, a significant adjustment. If you're taught to set your base first for your entire career, which essentially means, you know, I'm not necessarily retreating if I'm an interior lineman, but on the snap of the football, if it's a pass, I'm widening my feet, right? And I'm getting my hands inside, like what we call boxer's hands, and I'm preparing to strike when that defender engages me. But now what, what he's asking them to do is to fire out, make first contact, and then record on set their base. And that might not seem like that big a deal, but it's, it, you know, it, it feels like run blocking first. And run blocking is you know, it's very much about your momentum going forward. And now so you see these the Steelers linemen sometimes lunging out, getting a little bit off balance, and NFL pass rushers exploiting that. I mean, balance is so important to an offensive lineman. Um, so – so maybe maybe it's just yeah you know, like like with Daniels Cole's got to work his way through this stuff and and if that's the case he'll get better as the season goes which is great and you just hope it's not something else like he's just not very good. Okora four, Shooks, what do you say about him? He also came up with a great quote this week, calling it Twitter talk, with any talk about him going on the left side of the line a tackle because people were speculating that and he's like there's been no talk about that that's just plain twitter talk are you fine with him on the right side of the line and you I'm also fine. mentioned that you had concerns about dan moore jr what do you do with the tackles yeah I mean, i'm fine with the core for as long as like people don't ask him to be something he's not he's never going to be marvell smith he's never going to be a dude that puts his hand in the ground and then just knocks people off the football that's not him uh, he's going to position block guys. He's probably going to be pretty good when the Steelers need him to, to reach block and, and, and he can pull and get out in space a little bit. Um, he, you know, he, he's, his pass protection has been good in, in the preseason. So, uh, he, but he, he, he's going to get beat at the point of attack at times. If, if the Steelers want to run power behind a core for on third and two, you're going to be disappointed with the result. He's not going to be able to be that guy. So um, I think that, 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 the, the interesting challenge for Matt Cannon is going to be to call the game in a way that maximizes the strengths and minimizes the weaknesses of his linemen, right? It's not going to be a thing where Canada says, you know, hey, I like, I like the way that the defense is lined up here, and so I'm going to call this play because I think it gives us an advantage schematically. He's going to have to think about his personnel. It's not going to be a thing where the X and O's look good. It's going to be the thing, a thing where, like, Hey, can Chooks do this? Can I get Chooks to do this thing? And that, that takes a little bit more thinking and planning. As a coach, you always love to be able to just, you know, work the X and O's. Oh, hey, they put they got a one tech and a five tech, so we're going to run inside zone to that side because that's the best look for inside zone, you know, against a one and a five. 
but maybe that one tech is just a butt kicker and, and it doesn't matter because he's splitting double teams and he's playing in the backfield. Well, I don't want to run inside zone if I can't get into the A gap. You know, so the camera's going to have to think about, can I, what can I do with the line that I have? Like if I'm running to a core four side, I'm running outside zone, I'm running bootleg, I'm running some inside zone. I'm not running gap schemes. I'm not trying to run pin and pull sweep. I'm not trying to run power and counter gap where he's got to block down on a three tech, a big defensive tackle, a Larry Ogunjobi. I'm not asking Chuk Sakura for to wash Larry Ogunjobi down because he's not going to do it. So that's going to be the thing, man. And, and if, you know, if Steelers fans are okay with that, then I think that they've got a decent right tackle. All right. I, I like to hear that. I know uh, Dan Moore Jr. is uh, a concern of some, but we saw him stand up to guys like Hutchinson. We saw him stand up to Miles Garrett last year. And right now you've got to hope he can continue to stand up and learn on the job. Let's talk about one more guy. And we're going to talk about two more guys, one position. And it's Kevin Dotson. I thought he won that job. They haven't called him the winner. They haven't declared him the winner, but I kind of feel he did. And I want to ask you about Kevin Dotson. But the second question is, why does Kendrick Green still wear black and gold? I think they like his versatility. I think they know that if it doesn't work out with Mason Cole, that they can play green at, at center. Now he wasn't particularly good there last year, but he did give them, uh, I, I can't remember. Did he start all the games last year? I can't remember. If, I, I think he did. I think he did. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, uh, you know, they, they, again, another Mike Tomlin quote, the best ability is availability. You know, Kendrick green is healthy and versatile. And that means that you can put him on the field. Kevin Dotson's clearly better but he's missed a ton of games with injuries and he missed time this preseason with injuries too. So if I, I think green is an insurance policy and it, you know, it might not be like the gold uh, seal insurance policy. It might be the insurance policy that you, that you uh, buy off TV at two o'clock in the morning, but uh, it's an insurance policy nonetheless. And, and I think that right now for where the Steelers are, he's probably the best that they could find. Speaking of the best available, excuse me, speaking of the best ability to, being availability i tried that line at 2 a.m so many times back in the 90s and it just <laughs> did not work yeah <laughs> uh, yeah well you know if you hang around long enough and you keep you keep fishing you might catch something the blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while <laughs> yeah. well this has been a spirited conversation fantastic i'm glad we had that especially about the offensive line because that's on everybody's mind we're getting ready for the regular season it is going to be a lot of fun and we are going to be here every single week talking about the Steelers game ahead even when they're on a bye week you're going to have Kevin Smith and the best analysis in Steelers Nation if you ask me you have a coach here that knows what he's talking about coach you had a game this week your first game of the season and you also had some comparisons to the Steelers situation. Do you want to talk about that? No, I don't want to talk about it at all. Because <laughs> it was depressing. I, uh, I'm sorry. I thought you did. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought we were friends, Brian. I thought you were going to bring that up. Uh, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, fans are hard on on uh, offensive coordinators in particular and, and coaches when they can't figure stuff out. But, I mean, we got a, we got a taste of – some of the struggles that the Steelers have had the, over the last couple of years. I mean, we graduated some really good players off some really good teams this year. And now we're 
we we enter the season with a starting lineup that's got three sophomores and two juniors, none of whom have ever started games on, on the varsity football level as our offensive line. And we took on a really big, strong Philadelphia team in our, in our first game that went about 275 pounds across the front. And I mean, we just we got hammered up front. They just took it to us up front. And it became so frustrating trying to call plays because you really had to call based upon what was happening in those circumstances. And, and what was happening in those circumstances was that so much of the play sheet was being taken away by the inability to block certain players, uh, particularly the, their, their nose guard, who was just absolutely eating up our, our young center and, and young guard. And when a defense is caving in the A-gaps, uh, you know, the, the gaps between the guards and centers and just taking away the, the, your ability to operate in the middle in the run game, it becomes really tough. You, you need to have really good athletes to be able to get out to the perimeter. And, um, and, and, you know, they were daring us to run. They were giving us four, one, a four, one box, meaning four down linemen and one linebacker. And we were trying to spread the field and they were bumping their, their other linebackers all the way out of the box. And we couldn't run the ball five on five. If, if you're five on five in the box and you can't run the ball, especially if you're a zone read team, which gives you a running back and a quarterback, so you're really like seven on five in the box and you still can't run the ball. There's just not a whole lot you can call. You, you look at your play sheet and it's all, it's all unsatisfying. So, so for the Steelers, my hope of course, is that this offensive line has progressed enough in the run game uh, to be able to give Matt Canada options. They've got to be able to run inside zone. You know, they've got to be able to keep defenses honest because they're going to do a lot of smoke and mirror to the perimeter. We're going to see a ton of jet sweep. We're going to see, perimeter screens we're going to see bootleg the Steelers are going to do a lot of stuff to the perimeter but the, in order for that stuff to work and 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 keep defenses honest they've got to be able to run between the tackles so so my wish for the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into the season is that they've done enough up front to be able to do that well fantastic and I just want to do, want to go ahead and throw in the fact that you did not mention that this is a team your team the Red Raiders that have been in the championship game the last two seasons. So there is turnover and these are, you're not signing these guys back to second contracts because they don't have them. They go to college, they graduate. So it's uh, I, from what I've heard about you and what I read about your program, I know that this team's going to be back and you're teaching a good program. And I like the comparisons to the Steelers. So thank you so much. Oh yeah, you know, thanks for bringing that up. I mean, we got five linemen who now are from the last two years, last two senior classes who are playing in college. So when you lose five college, uh, you know, level linemen, and and you start over with young kids, there's there's certainly growing pains. And so, uh, so we're going to experience them right right there with the Steelers. That's not going to get you due to the week, though. No, no. But I do have a due to the week uh, uh, honoree. Unless you want to jump in, do you have a guy? I have the I have the guy, but I'll let you. Go up, go with the runner up. Okay, okay, good. So let's go with the runner up as John Leglue, because John Leglue got cut, uh, and then you know lost his 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 roster paycheck. Came back as a practice squad player, which is a significant pay cut, uh, and then at insult to injury, lost his jersey number. Right when the Steelers. Uh, traded for Mr. Davis, right, from the Vikings. And, and so uh, uh, Jesse Davis took his number. And, um, and, but, yeah, but, yeah, he's back in Pittsburgh. And so I'm giving him, like, the, the, uh, the old, like, you know, keep at it, buddy. It'll get better <laughs> due to the week. 
because, hey, man, he's still in the NFL. And, and if you're a guy like John McGlue, who's been cut from several teams and has been on the fringe of rosters now for a few years, that's just that's all you can ask for is, is to keep getting opportunities and, and to hope that that, you know, you'll you'll find a situation where eventually you can succeed. In. Well, somebody that is my dude of the week is as big as John LeGlue, but he doesn't play football. You know him. He's actually been due to the week here before. And it's our very own Dave Schofield. Man, he's he's cornering the due to the week market this day. I know, but this is for something completely different. And now that I know that you chose him, I'm I'm excited that you did because this is a really cool story. So I'm looking forward to hearing you tell it. You know, we celebrate the accomplishments of our friends here at BTSC all the time. And Dave's modest. He does not want to use this platform to boast about other things that he's doing outside of covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. But this is something that Dave's been working on for a long time. If I'm not mistaken, over 10 years. And if you looked at amazon.com yesterday, Ghost Warriors, it's a paperback book, which you can also get on Kindle, was released. And the author is David Schofield with his first novel that has come out, that has come out. I went on yesterday and I purchased my first copy and Dave is going to sign it for me. And I was so excited to do it. And I couldn't wait to message him and tell him. And, you know, it just feels so good knowing that somebody has dreamed of doing something for a long time. It took him a long time. He put blood, sweat, and tears into something and he's done it. And it's not writing about the Steelers. This looks like a very good novel that is also good for the teen market as well as what he told me. And I can't wait to read it. And my entire family will read it probably. And so check out ghost warriors and check out the fact that Dave Schofield isn't just writing and talking about the Steelers. He has the versatility and we talk about versatility all throughout the Steelers. And Dave has the versatility to write a book, a novel, something I've always dreamed about. I'm not going to lie to you. I am jealous that he did this, but I won't be jealous of any success or envious of any success he has because I'm rooting for it. So look, if you've got $14.99 and you want to support a guy, it really doesn't need the support. But if you want to help an author that realized his dream, go ahead and check this book out. I cannot wait to see this on the New York Times bestseller list. You never know. It could happen. Dreams do come true. And I'm hoping it comes for Dave Schofield. Nobody deserves it more than our dude of the week. Love this guy. Yep, great story. Excellent. And congratulations to Dave. And um, I'm so glad that you brought that up, Brian. Yeah, and like I said, he doesn't want us to hammer this because he doesn't want to take advantage of BTSC. But for me, celebrate victories. Celebrate good things. And this is a victory, my friend. Yep, absolutely. 
And I, I actually read some of it uh, because when you uh, click on Amazon, you can you can you know read like a little bit of the preview, the introduction. Yeah, and that's it. Dave's a good writer, man. He's a he's a good writer. You know, yeah, so I, uh, I really I think, think this is I think, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And my gosh, I like I said, I'm gonna say sign this for me as soon as I get it. I'm going to his house. <laughs> so, anyways, that's uh, that's something special, and. You know, we celebrate birthdays of family members. My dad turned 75 this week. Happy birthday again to my father. I'm so proud of him for uh, just being the great dad that he's been. I'm blessed. Man, I still have one of my best friends in the world that happens to be my dad. And that's not a cliche. That's not just something that you say to flatter somebody. I rely on this man for everything. But I talk to him more like a friend now than anything and it's really fun to have this man in my life. Real, I, I'm so blessed. So, Bill Davis, love you, man. Happy birthday, too. So, you know what? We've got to make sweet Willie Davis, bad dad, co-dude of the week with Dave Schofield. So, it was my wife's birthday on Sunday. So, maybe, maybe can I make her the co-co? Uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because we we don't want to. I mean, we don't want to change it for. Do that is fine as long as that's not a slight, because I have no problem calling her the dude of the week or do that. I don't want to call her like chick of the week, or I I don't think that's I don't think that's uh, sensitive. I I I don't think that's right. So, uh, dude, out of the week or dude of the week, whatever (laughs) she's comfortable with. What's your wife's first name? Brenda. And my wife is a uh, incredibly strong woman who I have so much admiration for. I mean, she's the, she's the cheerleading coach at our high school. She's the, uh, a Span- an AP Spanish teacher. She's the head of the world language department. She's an adjunct professor at a community college and she's an incredible mom. So, uh, you know, I mean, she's, she's, she's one of the strongest women I know. So I'm, I'm happy to, uh, to shout out so much to my wife as well. Well, great people to celebrate, and we might as well just throw in two more, two Steelers quarterbacks, Tommy Maddox, Terry Bradshaw, September 2nd. That's today. Happy birthday to them as well. But they're not as important as Mrs. Smith. <laughs> uh, if she's listening, she you know she occasionally listens to our podcast. So you know, if she's listening, she'll appreciate that comment. I think we should bring her on. No, oh, yeah, she she would uh, she she's my wife uh, knows football. I mean, she's around it all the time. She, you know, she she's uh, at the at our games. She watches Steelers games. Um, she watches my son play in his little pee wee games. You know, she's she's not the get 'em mom. You know, I, I I always joke about the get 'em mom, the mom who's like screaming from the stands, get 'em. You know, I love that. I, I always want to turn around to mom, that mom and be like, oh, get 'em. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't think about that. Get it. We guys just get them. You know, like, <laughs> you know. my <laughs> wife calls the kickoff, the cool running up thing. She knows nothing. Oh, okay. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycle. Mm-hmm.